Chapter Three of Anything You Can Do by Randall Garrett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Anything You Can Do, Chapter Three. The knife stood quietly for a moment, looking down at the thing he had killed. His stomachs churned with disgust. He ignored the fading hoofbeats of the slave animal from which he had knocked the thing that lay on the ground with a crushed skull. The slave animal was unintelligent and unimportant. This was, had been, the intelligent one. But so slow, so incredibly slow, and so weak and soft. It seemed impossible that such a poorly equipped beast could have survived long enough on any world to become the dominant life-form. Then again, perhaps it was not the dominant form. Perhaps it was merely a higher form of slave animal. He would have to do more investigating. He picked up the weapon the thing had been carrying and examined it carefully. The mechanism was unfamiliar, but a glance at the muzzle told him it was a projectile weapon of some sort. The spiraling grooves in the barrel were obviously intended to impart a spin to the projectile, to give it gyroscopic stability while in flight. He tossed the weapon aside. Now there was a certain compassion in his thoughts as he looked again at the dead thing. It must surely have thought it was faced with a wild animal, the knife decided. Surely no being would carry a weapon for use against members of its own or another intelligent species. He examined the rest of the equipment on the thing. There was very little further information. The fabric in which it wrapped itself was crude, but ingeniously put together, and its presence indicated that the being needed some sort of protection against the temperature. It appeared to have a thermal insulating quality. Evidently the creature was used to a warmer climate. That served as additional information to help substantiate his observation from space that the areas farther south were the ones containing the major centers of population. The tilt of this planet on its axis would tend to give the weather a cyclic variation, but it appeared that the areas around the poles remained fairly cold, even when the incidence of radiation from the primary was at maximum. It would have been good, he decided, if he had stopped the slave animal. There had been more equipment on the thing's back which would have given him more information upon which to base a judgment as to the level of civilization of the dead being. That, however, was no longer practicable, so he dismissed the thought from his mind. The next question was, what should he do with the body? Should he dispose of it properly, as one should with a validly slain foe? It didn't seem that he could do anything else, and yet his stomachs wanted to rebel at the thought. After all, it wasn't as if the thing were really a proper being. It was astonishing to find another intelligent race. None had ever been found before, although the existence of such had been postulated. There were certain criteria that must be met by any such beings, however. It must have manipulatory organs, such as this being very obviously did have, organs very much like his own. But there were only two, which argued that the being lacked dexterity. The organs for walking were encased in protective clothing too stiff to allow them to be used as manipulators. He ripped off one of the boots and looked at the exposed foot. 
the thumb was not opposed. Obviously, such an organ was not much good for manipulation. He pried open the eating orifice and inspected it carefully. Ah, the creature was omnivorous, judging by its teeth. There were both rending and grinding teeth. That certainly argued for intelligence, since it showed that the being could behave in a gentlemanly fashion. Still, it was not conclusive. If they were intelligent, it was most certainly necessary for him to show that he was also civilized and a gentleman. On the other hand, the slowness and lack of strength of this particular specimen argued that the species was of a lower order than the nipe, which made the question even more puzzling. In the end, the question was rendered unnecessary for the time being, since the problem was taken out of his hands. A sound came from the ground a few yards away. It was an insistent buzzing. Cautiously, the nipe approached the thing. Buzz-buzz, buzz-buzz-buzz. It was an instrument of some kind. He recognized it as the device that he had seen the dead being speak into while he himself had been watching from the concealment of the undergrowth, trying to decide whether or not to approach. The device was obviously a communicator of some kind, and someone at the other end was trying to make contact. If it were not answered, whoever was calling would certainly deduce that something had gone wrong at this end, and of course there was no way for it to be answered. It would be necessary then to leave the body here for others of its kind to find. Doubtless they would dispose of it properly. He would have to leave quickly. It was necessary that he find one of their centers of production or supply, and he would have to do it alone, with only the equipment he had on him. The utter destruction of his ship had left him seriously hampered. He began moving, staying in the protection of the trees. He had no way of knowing whether investigators would come by air or on the slave animals, and there was no point in taking chances. His sense of ethics still bothered him. It was not at all civilized to leave a body at the mercy of lesser animals or monocells in that fashion. What kind of monster would they think he was? Still, there was no help for it. If they caught him, they might think him a lower animal and shoot him. He would not have put an onus like that upon them. He moved on. End of chapter 3